Yes, very good. Oh, very good. Just waiting for Michael. Yes, we will wait for his presence. <laughs> in his own, in your good, in, in his own good time, he will he will summon his presence for the podcast. By the way, this is automatically recording. By the way, yeah, I just gave me one saying this man is recording you. <laughs> ah, he is arrived, Michel Torino. The cow. Mikel, that's it. Yeah, I thought I accidentally oh, clicked decline for a second then. <laughs> Bugger up. You alright, pal? Yeah, I'm doing great. I brought my headset so you can hear me great and dandy. Delightful. Right. Just so you know, Michael, this is recording. Very good. So, I've got automatic record on so you can't don't say anything that you don't want on public view. I will. All right. So, chaps, in this first episode of the Unplugged podcast, where we will be discussing the issues facing the United States and, of course, the United Kingdom, we're going to be discussing over the next 10 weeks the big issues, not the ones our media will be discussing about, but the real issues that are affecting real people. So this week, we're going to be starting with the welfare state. Next week, it'll be about President Biden's Build Back Better agenda. Then it'll be about the health service. Then it'll be about guns in the United States. That's the first yeah. four weeks. And we will work forward on that. So Very good. That's, and then we might do a bit about the culture wars and a bit about education reform, etc. over the next 10 weeks. Oh, more controversial ones. Oh, Michael, this is the podcast of controversy. I want, as I say, it's unplugged. I want everyone to Very good. We're not going to f- f- tailor our message or filter for anybody. We're going to say what we think. Obviously, is a line. We can't oh, of course. But say what you think. All right. Don't want to end up like Joe Rogan. <laughs> no. Joe Rogan, yeah, being cancelled. For what? Disgraceful behaviour. Uh, hey, don't worry about it anyway. Yeah. Um, Come on, let's yeah. start. We're going to talk yeah. about the welfare state in five sections in this podcast. So, yeah, um, yeah. it'll be basically why I want, why do we have in-work poverty where one in three people are in it? Why are one in three children below the poverty line? How can we ensure disabled people are no longer in poverty? How do we ensure that single mothers and single parents get to actually be lifted out of poverty? And how can we reform those benefits? And how can we ensure that work is actually paying enough so people are willing to take up jobs rather than be on benefits if they can do a job? Is everyone all right with that? Sounds yeah. good. Sounds very good. All right, let's crack on. We'll talk about in-work poverty first. So, of course, 14 million people in this country are working. And yet, of course, they feel they cannot afford basic essentials. Now, why is this? Go on, James. Oh, brilliant. I get to start. Okay, so... <laughs> I feel like I feel like the main reason why people can't afford any of this stuff is because the living wage is way too low. It's what is it nine pound fifty? Isn't mm. it? If you said you just drive yeah. just at the mm. time of recording, 
just bragged about how they've increased it to nine pound fifty. But 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 when you have to pay another seven hundred pounds a year for your gas bills, I mean it's not much, is it? Oh no. And again, fifty pound, fifty p, not fifty pound, fifty p an hour is only what oh a thousand pounds a year is not much. Exactly. So then, exactly. So then, a year. Yeah. And when you've got national insurance, the gas bills, the food prices yeah. going up, that's 50 and of course the other prices of every utilities. That's 1500 600 pounds a year. So what does that mean to them? Well, hell, 50p is more than what I've got right now. What is it? Five pence. Have you heard from the no. streets? No, it's seven. No, I'm joking. But uh, um, yeah, no, but continue though. That's the issue, but then James, what's the solution? Because some people say that's raising minimum wage to thirteen pounds an hour, but then there are others who say that's the cost will be costing businesses valuable profits. Well, that's 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 what they said before, didn't they? That's exactly when Tony Blair introduced minimum wage. You were like, "Oh, businesses are going to lose all their money," but then all it proved is more people got jobs. More people went yeah. into jobs, generated the businesses more money because they had more work, they had a bigger workforce who could give them. You could give them more sales if you your sales company. You could sell more because you had more people to sell the stuff for. If you if you're like a bank, you had more people convincing people to take out a bank loan or a mortgage with their bank instead of an opposite instead of a market competitor. And, pe- and people and, and people were saying people were saying that this this will affect businesses in the long run. It didn't. If anything, businesses have prospered since that has come forward because more people think they can get a job. When in the, in like nine in the 1990s, people didn't get a job because they didn't want they didn't want to work for two pounds an hour for something for something that was quite clearly uh, that 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 wasn't that wouldn't pay them a job that wasn't good enough, a job that wouldn't pay them well. And then yes. when Tony Blair introduced the minimum wage, people decided, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm getting paid much better than I would have got paid beforehand. And it, it might not be for the best job that I'll ever get in the world, but at least it's the starting block, and it can build my career up from that. Yes. And then people, and then the businesses kept on growing and growing and growing. More people kept on getting more and more jobs, and it, and I feel like I feel like the solution to this is to is to raise the working wage to I don't know, I think I think people contributed saying fifteen pounds an hour fifteen pounds an hour for the uh, living wage is a good standard and maybe raising the minimum wage up to I don't know like twelve thirteen pounds as you said I feel like this just this will all benefit will all benefit businesses in the long term yeah 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 you have to take the hit on the short term but then in the yeah. long term it will make you think but I mean all economic decisions give you a hit immediately. You can't make an economic decision that won't affect you right now, this very second. It will affect you. It will affect you now, and then the benefits will come along in the in the long term, rather than just the benefits coming, 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 which will never happen. And businesses don't like to see stuff like that. They want something to be benefited immediately, even though when they know that won't ever happen to them. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it does make sense. I think. That people say, well, minimum wage costs businesses, but I argue if workers had a better morale, they produce more, and if they produce yeah. more, productivity will rise and profits will go up, and therefore the profits, the increased profits, will pay off the increased wages. So I argue that increased profits are linked to increased wages, and at yeah. the race to the bottom we've experienced right now is a sort of bugger the workers environment has led to a decrease in our manufacturing but how is it for example that the germans who are you know 12 percent more population than us they're relatively the same size as us their wages they're nearly ten thousand pounds more they earn than us in the, in the if we put the forty-seven thousand euros is about thirty-eight thousand pounds our average wage is about 30 so it's eight thousand pounds the germans yeah. more than us in the states it's 
you know, $71,000 average salary. That means it's about £56,000 in Britain. So in the States, they're opening double than us. Is this, Michael, do you think due to population size or is it more of productivity? What is it? Why do our competitors have such higher wages than us? Um, I'll tell you, it's down to a few things. I think one of the most uh, looming issues that a lot of governments often get scared of and you know, rightfully in a way, but at the same time, don't worry about it so much, is debt. There are other ways of decreasing the debt. The thing is with the, um, if you lower the minimum wage, for example, Mm. and businesses start paying their workers less, more workers are going to drop out, and then the economy won't grow as much. So there's not much money to take in from taxes. For example, the revenue will be smaller. So there's other ways to do that um, as well. So I think debt's one of those looming things that um, I think it's not an overreaction, I'd say. I just think there's better ways to decrease the debt. So the debt thesis doesn't work because America's practically bankrupt. He's got a 100 debt. I think a major, I think a major reason why Germany and the USA have higher wages is their export. To the yeah. I mean, they're exporting tons and tons and tons and tons of more exports and than we, we don't ever dream of doing. Much. The fact yeah. that we left the European Union didn't really help us. The exports have gone, exports have gone way, into, way into a massive slump as yeah. uh, the second week, the second we left the EU. And and I feel and I feel like the British people, the British public, are paying the pinch for that because. If we can't export more, we can't earn more. We can't earn more. We yes. can't pay. We can't pay the people in our country more. The Germans and the Americans export lo- mill- billions of stuff every month. Um, yeah. Just to, yeah, and, yeah. and then and they contribute and give it to and they give it to their people, uh, and the people yeah. get higher wages because of it. I Where th- if if you have more exports, you're going to have more. Pay, uh, you're going to have people who begin to pay more. Yeah. I think that's logical. I- I think free trade has caused caused the problem we're all in today. The fact is, yes, exports do link to prosperity. That's undeniable. But you can only manufacture, you can only have something to export if you can manufacture. And the destruction of British manufacturing due to free trade and due to the fact we've not made significant provisions for workers and for quality of goods is that as well as to have loads of foreign imports to take over. And that means that's why we've got a 57 billion pound trade deficit because we've had yeah. so much foreign imports coming in and we've not made enough protections for our own manufacturing and that's led us to not export as much and i'd like yeah. to ask the free trader michael how do you think free trade has contributed to a, a decline in british manufacturing and therefore declining good paying jobs well the thing is with free trade um in this country they've just done it shockingly they haven't even done it right with free trade they were so unprepared going into some sort of free trade deal now sure i am a very big opponent of tariffs because i have personal hatred for them uh but i just have oh. hatred for them and yes guitars and all that, that was uh, stuff oh yes yeah i'm not i'm not paying an extra 200 quid for a thousand quid i'm signed. joking <laughs> Look, hold on. This is the thing. Oh, if you meant his guitar price would come down 3%. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But no, the the thing is, here's here's something important. 
tariffs and there are a bit of tariffs that are needed just to protect jobs, for example. And I think you can definitely, like, when, when it comes to free trade, you can definitely achieve it well. you just got to lower tariffs. The thing is, tariffs shouldn't be made so high when it's scary. So if you protect those jobs, um, you, you're basically get hopefully, you should be able to protect the wage too. And it should maybe in the long term increase and it should be able to increase hopefully what is where exporting comes into play manufacturing is so down in this country it's so bad we're just like an import nation we shouldn't be we should be exporting a lot more now ex- now what specifically should we export is a very you know mixed matter you could like talk about steel and all that British steel yeah, is like well. real, yeah, it's in a huge dump. British steel, for example, uh, you, can, you can manufacture. You you have a lot of options for manufacturing this country. It's just what what will stand out. What will people want? Uh, your uh, what's it? What will people want to import from you? I can't really come up with a specific answer. Steel's probably the closest I can get to. There's probably other things you guys could certainly think it's of. Nice you know, when we when we did deregulation of steel and the free trade of steel, that saw a decline in British steel where, of course, British steel was sold off. So the steel yeah. helped us make our own steel to sell. So that worked. Because they ruined the prices. They, they absolutely destroyed the prices. It's like no one's going to buy them for that price. It's either t- it was either too high or it was so low that demand just went shot up and then you got no more steel so left. James, what do we Jake? Trade, I'll ask you, Michael's well, but with trade, no, do you think the solution is to have government price controls to, to set basic limits on what, for example, steel could be sold at or what technology products could be sold at? So, therefore, we have provisions for our own manufacturing, so therefore, people can go into the high paying jobs. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I feel like the government should sit down and look at what generates this country the most money, what has the mo- what has which sectors give have give the country the most jobs, which sectors have um because we're moving into a quaternary ether now kind of uh jobs which are basically goods and services mm. that, 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 that's our that's our main exports the goods and services and i think and i think what needs to happen is the government needs to sit down and say this this particular industry provides us with lots of stuff we're going to put high tariffs on stuff and generate increase to generate and generate to make us bigger in this country and then we can export it in the in the lower to have a monopoly if you will over it because we've we've advanced it so much, and and I think that's what the group should do. I feel like they should be very well balanced, uh, very very well balanced out what was uh, what what they should uh, put tariffs on to make sure that there's no more unemployment. Uh, uh, sorry, employment uh, employment poverty. Yeah, employment poverty. Because I feel like if there are sectors in this country that are dying out, yeah. and, and then and the government still have tariffs and stuff coming in. That even though the sector is dying out, I feel like I feel like because once the sector is dying out, the people are becoming unemployed. Aren't becoming unemployed? They're becoming unemployable because mm. they because their jobs because their jobs which they dedicate their entire lives to are useless because we don't need them in this country. We we can get them cheaper from a different country, so we would do that. It's how the economy works. So so what needs to happen is that the government needs to figure out where we can put these people in and generate the economy bigger, make make it make it more suitable, make it. Uh, and then put it put it into the sector that's benefiting the economy the most, mm. and then we can and then we can take not take up the globe, not like a super, but not like a bond villain, but uh, but you know like have, have an almost monopoly kind of thing on that particular sector, 
like like the uh, with like the Australians and that coal and all the stuff that they have down there. Yes. And 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 what needs to happen is that the government needs to sit down and think what are those things, mm. what are those things, and how can we support the people in those jobs who are doing that the most to give them the most benefits to give them the most maximum security to make them work the absolute utmost for and the hardest they can for the for the biggest benefit of the economy because that's that's all the thing there's no driving motive really to employ a, a random bloke off the street unless you give them the skills to help the economy is there so mm. so that's that, that's what the government should focus on the government should be focused on helping people get the jobs that the economy needs the most mm. then and then and only then the government should then focus on giving those people fairly paid and making sure that they can survive and work the utmost best they can to get uh, to um, to survive on what on what on what they can have. But why hasn't why have we not skilled our people sufficiently? I'll ask this both of you, don't worry. But why have we not skilled our people sufficiently? That's the question I'd ask. Why are people, for example, in Bishop Auckland, people in Dewsbury, who've worked in the heavy industry jobs, as they were once called, but now don't want to go and work in a factory in ASOS, they don't want to go and work in an office. Why has the government not taken a, a, a central role in this economy and says, right, we'll create skill centres to ensure that people who are uneducated or unskilled technology, we will skill them for as long as it requires. I think that would be far more better than this sort of laissez-faire attitude we've had towards exactly unemployment. i mean the the laissez-faire attitude didn't work because it, it it plunged the world globe into a economic depression so i feel like there's no point to do it again we should be i mean especially i mean when um when because uh, steel's dying out in this country every second we speak it's coming less and less uh, it shouldn't have to though. yeah it shouldn't have to die out but it is then so, should take a role and regulate steel. The, 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 yeah, they, they, should, they, they should be regulating. They should be regulating it. They should be making sure that nationalized. Even yeah, but, but what should happen? What should happen is if the steel industry is going to die, the group said there's no way we can save this. There is, but if we just just take a hypothetical that said there's no way we can save this industry. It's going to die out. There's, there's goods and services that are cheaper around the world that other countries are buy. There's no point. In what they should do is keep is keep these people in their jobs for as long as possible whilst training them and skilling them to be able to work in maybe a different manufacturing base, like maybe Nissan, uh, Nissan's car, uh, car manufacturers base, or maybe, or maybe or, or something, or something along those lines, make them work on a different manufacturing area right, rather than plunge them into a completely different sector of work. Because I feel like, like when the steel, if the steel industry goes, the people who work in the steel industries haven't, haven't become employed. They don't have, they don't, they can't be employed again. They don't have the skills that any industry is looking for. I mean, if 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 you if you're if you're running, I don't know, a cab uh, like an IKEA or like a, a furniture store, you're not you're not you're not going to hire a steel worker. He doesn't know how to sell or build furniture. He he, know, he knows how to make steel. He knows how to he knows and all that. So I feel so the government should the government should go to these to these dying out industries, which if they can't save, they can't save. They should go to these industries and say to them. And go to each individual and say, "What job do you want in this industry when this industry goes or goes down the line?" And say, "Oh, like this." And then you train them to get that job. You see what I mean? They, 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 might, they, might, they might not get it after the first uh, after after they, after they get, lose the job. They might not get it after the first year. But we but we can provide them with the benefits until they can get that job, because the government should be going to them and saying, "You want this job? We we can train you the absolute best we can with all the best people we can." To give you this job, that's what they should be doing. But they're not. What 
what what they're doing is just leaving them for dead. It's what Margaret Thatcher did with the miners. She, she just left them. She she, she she didn't she didn't find a new way to have the jobs. She she didn't she didn't she didn't uh she didn't even have the idea where all these people are going to go and kicking kicking millions uh, millions of workers out in immediate unemployment isn't the best benefit for any economy. But 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 what, what the government should be doing right now is going to all the dying out industries because because there are many in this country. There's many booming industries that are going to ex, uh, exponentially grow as, as as time goes on, and they should be going to them and trying to find the workers that would love to go to those industries, like to help out in those industries, and the ones that don't, move them to a same similar area of industry that, that they're already in, to, to try and make sure the economy makes its makes the maximum output. For, for the minimum of job losses as possible and the minimum of wage losses for all these people as possible. Michael, what do you think? Do you think James got a point there that is the role of government to stop people from, if the, these industries are inevitably dying out, and we should reskill these people whilst they still have a job to go to? Um, I think there should definitely be a programme sort of set up for that, sure. Which but, way? Go on, go on. Uh, I just wanted to kind of like come to an earlier point. It's like, how is government... Or why this government's not done this particularly yet? Because, mm. like, okay, let's the current government should really just appealing to its voters. That it's not, it's not the biggest thing on like the government's mind. Like, that's the thing. It's voters you changed. You know, the what? there are Tories now in Bolsover, in Mansfield, in Bishop Auckland, in Don Valley, in these old Labour areas. The government would say, look at our free ports initiative where we have trade for people in the in the poorer communities, trade with other nations that are manufacturing. The government would say, look at our tax cuts in poor areas through like deductions of employee national insurance. Look at our uh, scheme to half million people off welfare and into work. And they'd say, we have done a lot for the poorest. I mean, I don't agree with them. I think they've done... But if, if, if we're being honest, the people the people in 2019 who voted Conservatives, which were traditionally Labour Socialists, didn't, 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 I don't think they for a second believed what the Conservatives saying were true that they're going to help out the unemployed or help oh, yeah. out, help out the working man. I just think they voted believe. just because of Brexit. Well, I think, that I, think, I think that was Corbyn, one of the major, yeah, Corbyn and Brexit are the major yeah. reasons they voted Conservative. Not because not they might have there might be plenty of people who believe that Conservatives would have done that thing, and I'm sure there was. But I'm sure many of them thought, well, I want I voted for Brexit. I'm the best prime minister possible to actually campaign for Brexit to deliver the thing that I wanted. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I feel, I feel, I feel, I don't, I don't think people voted conservative in that general election because they believed that they were going to have a better life after. Yes. I think they believed they wanted their policy, which they, which they voted for in twenty sixteen, to go through in the best possible circumstance yeah. in their opinion. Yeah, I go on, go on. You were going to ask me a question, though, Dowd, so yeah, would you like to ask? to ask? One for Michael and one for the open crowd, then we'll uh, have to go to child poverty. Which yeah. Do you think that the fact we can export our goods to China, for example, just for example, mm-hmm. for free, and yet, chi- sorry, we export, China exports their goods to us for free, but we export our goods to them with a 25% tariff across the board. Do you think that plays a role? It goes back to what I said before about the dumping of import for foreign imported goods that have had to decline our manufacturing. Well, uh, an important role in what? Keeping jobs? Yeah, that if we can't export to the Chinese, but they can export to us, that creates a less for a demand for British-made goods, which then sees a decline in British manufacturing and a decline in jobs, yeah. 
Well, yeah, of course, it's it's got an important role because, right, the tariff from China is unfair. A trade war against them, though, not the solution because we saw that with Donald Trump. It didn't work. Um, mm. And it's like, there's no... There's no point having a trade war. Sure, maybe put a tariff on. Maybe not as high as 25%. Sure, it may still seem unfair, but I think you'll still protect more jobs. Sure, it may not be as much as they protect with that 25%, but you'll still protect some, I, I think. I don't know, I think, because this one's a tough one. But I think it does play an important role in this, especially in having jobs. What role do you think, James, trade unions play should play in our economy to rebuild workers? Because people would argue that trade unions and workplace democracies have strengthened workers' pay and strengthened collective bargaining so workers, even when they lose their job, will have proper compensation. That, for example, you would not be getting a 1% pay rise if the trade unions were active. So what role do you think trade unions have? Should it be just demanding pay rises or should it be for conditions well, and etc.? Trade, trade, trade unions themselves, be people now see, thanks to Margaret Thatcher as them, as the, like, the evil people who won't demand pay for no, for no, for no reason. Yeah. But what, what they represent is fairness for the people who work in those industries. So, I mean, if, if we, take, we take the medical sector. The medical trade union, I, I'm sure it has a proper name, I can't remember it off the top of my head. The British but, Medical Association. The British, Medi- the British Medical Association. They, they represent their best interests for all of their, uh, for all of the people who are in that union, they yeah. they, they want their they want their people who best the best best paid that they possibly should be fairly paid. They're not asking they're not asking for unbelievable payments. They're asking for fair payments. There's a difference to what people think. People people think when doctors go and strike over a two percent pay increase when they're asking for three percent or four percent, people go and that's oh they're getting two percent. What 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 they're complaining about? What they're complaining about is not the point that they're getting a the pay rise. Because they're not getting paid, they're not getting paid fairly for, for what they're doing. If you see what I mean? So I feel like trade unions, trade 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 unions do need to be a bit harsher with this government and say to them, if it, it wasn't for our workers, if it wasn't for our thing, this economy wouldn't function. We wouldn't have an economy. And and I feel like, and and I think I think they've just stepped back from seeing what Margaret Thatcher did to them. They've all stepped back and calmed down and gone, oh, we, well, we can't do anything. Obviously, we don't want trade unions like they did go and strike for demanding an 80% pay rise like they did yeah. in like, the 1960s and so on. There needs to be some regulation, obviously. But, um, but, uh, there, needs to, but there still needs to be a major, a major overhaul on what, on, what, on what the trade union represents. Because, I mean, it's become like a dirty word now, the trade union, hasn't it? Rather than a union that supports... That supports the British public, the British workers, mm. and I think, and I think, if it wasn't for the sorry, Thatcher famously called them the enemy from within. If you remember that remark, exactly. yes, she, she, she did. She, she she called them the enemy from within when they're not. They're they're they're, they're the, the British. They are the they are your allies. Without them, they wouldn't be a British. And and I feel and I feel like and I feel like the constant attacks that governments give them and the constants of like, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong, why are you demanding this? Is it completely unproportionate and it's completely stupid? Is damaging this economy and damaging the people who go out of the strikes? Because, I mean, the, pe- the people who go out of strikes know they're not getting paid. They, they, they're not going to get paid for strikes. They, they, they are doing it, so in the future they get, pa- uh, they get paid fairly, which, which is the entire body of this argument. 
trade unions are only here to get paid fairly. If, if the government paid every every uh, everybody fairly, you said you, you get that exact, you've done this percentage more this year, you get this on top of inflation, there'd be no need for a trade union because the government had regulated everything. But the point is, inflation. the trade union is a symbol mm. of how the government are treating people unfairly. It's that, that's what yeah. it's there for. And if it wasn't there, if it wasn't there, I would dread to think what this. I would dread to think what our economy would be like, and I would, and I would dread to think. Oh, I, I, I don't, I don't think we'd be talking about poverty, uh, workplace poverty. I think we'd be talking about poverty because nobody would have a job because nobody would want strike, one. Do you think we should strike the old provisions from the Trading Act of 1984 and allow people in all industries to have the right to join or not to join trade union? That instead of this sort of forced mentality that part of your job means you can't be a union member or part of your union yeah. as a union member we should allow everyone to decide do you want to join the unions for electricity yes. etc i think i think that's major i mean i think i think that's a major thing i mean the police the police uh, the police don't have a union because they they've lost their right to strike because they believe that the government would pay them better and whatever <laughs> it hasn't happened how wrong it's, they kind of, were. it's kind of it's kind of shot them in the it's kind of shot them in the foot a bit but the, the point is that i think that's an example to the public of don't get rid of your union. You need it, and I think, and I think we do need to strike out that clause, like you just mentioned. Then I think, I think we need to say every industry, no matter how small, no matter how how weak. Well, I guess maybe coffee shops should have a union, but should should um, should have their right to be represented and get and demand fair pay from 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 people from people up above who can get that for them. I I, I, I don't think like a. A random, uh, a, a random firefighter, or like a random nurse, can get a pay rise single-handedly from just asking the government. It has to be, it has to be union representatives who have the ability to do that because, because, because they they know how to get the most amount of money from the government to get to make sure their workers are fairly paid. And and I think and I think that if if every if every industry or every major industry or workforce or whatever had a had a union, I feel like not only would there be it would, it would massively reduce the amount of uh, the amount of uh, workplace poverty. I think I think of anything, it would increase the economy as a whole because I think I think mm. if people are getting paid fairly and the government knows, oh, if, if we treat these badly for one year, we're we're kind of screwed. Yeah, like they're, they're going to say, you know what, we'll pay you fairly, and in result they'll say, fine, you paid us fairly, we'll we'll work, we'll we'll, we'll do we'll do our job, we'll make sure we do it to the most. We make do it properly. We make sure like, we make that's do it what to you the ask best of our ability. Now, like exactly. you know, do you in return. Yeah, right. exactly. Michael, what do you think about that? Do you think James has got a fair point on the trade union movement? So we allow people to freely join a union or not join a union? Yeah, they, they, they should have the right. There's like unions. Well, the, I mean, unions should be free to join, though. That's just the thing. It, it, it's a group of people that, and a lot of them may have the same beliefs as you, a lot of them may not, but it's a great place to definitely go, like, vote on things and decide things. And if you've got, like, a concern, maybe a lot of them may be able to help you out with it. That's the thing with unions. I see a lot of benefits. I, we have definitely seen there's been some unions that are corrupt, they're, but they're not, they're, they don't represent unions. They're just, you know, trying to take, yes. put a bad stain on the unions yeah. right but you've actually got some pretty decent unions uh, and th that's no i completely agree with james there you should be able to join them absolutely we're half an hour in so we're gonna have to move on really swiftly to child poverty 
So I'm going to ask a very simple question. Why is it in the fifth richest nation on planet Earth that there are one in three children living below the poverty line in this country when it was under new labour, it was one in ten, now it's one in three? How have we got to that? Mind if I go first on this one? Hmm. Yeah, go on. Uh, right, so, um, okay. First of all, the absolute decimation of taxes, and I don't mean as in, oh, you know, like, oh, taxes being cut. No, I mean them being raised. <laughs> the, the, it's putting more strain on parents. And if parents go into poverty, so will children. The thing is, as well, the, the amount of taxes that have just gone up unfairly with public spending being cut and benefits being cut, especially, has put parents along with children into poverty. Yeah. And then the child poverty, um, on top of poverty, standard poverty, the number of that has increased. And it's unbelievable. It's, it's gone up really, really high. The thing was, under Tony Blair, we had probably... what. One of the, I say we, as in, you know, Labour Party, but it's like one of the most important things that lowered the cost of care for um, parents. Sure, start is free nurseries. That's like, for, you know, a year or two, that's like a, a hundred quid a week. So, like, okay, two years, that is about what, 104 weeks. 100 quid a week, 100 quid times uh, 104. Uh, James, you're good at maths. What's 100 quid? 100. What? 10,400. That's 10,400 less pounds per year that you have to spend. Did you see that? That's the thing. That's one of the best things. 10,400 quid for a family that's on definitely in the low end of, of classes yeah. is a lot of money. And what? that money can then be used while they're working to feed their children uh, obviously let's say around dinner the child comes home after the nursery thing around dinner they only have to pay for dinner for that uh, for that much because nursery's paid for the rest Really, also things like the ending of education maintenance allowances, which paid uh, you £25 a week to stay in college if you were poor. The ending of maintenance grants of £6,000 a year for union education. The ending of child tax credits, which is a £1,000 deduction of your taxes if you were poor. And you had one child, two child, you had £1,000 deduction. It working tax credit. So it basically made a society that it paid more to work than to stay on benefits. And also things like... You know, investment in the schools and but oh, yeah. I really think that plays a role. The fact that we've cut benefits to such an extent now, yes, it was there to, to, to cut the deficit because of ended tax evasion, or you could have got closed loopholes to reduce the deficit and grow the economy. But do you think the massive cuts in spending in welfare spending has directly seen a massive increase in poverty? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Oh, 100 percent Benefits is one of the things that a lot of poorer end families rely on. And and it's like, oh, they're, they're on benefits while they're sitting on their raise, not bothering to try and get work. No, they're trying to get a job, but they have to pay for children and themselves to feed themselves and all that, pay for appliances, play ener- uh, sorry, pay energy bills, 
It's like they they need that money, and cutting benefits puts a severe disadvantage on them. They go into poverty because they can't pay it. Yeah, there's three solutions. I mean, James, there's three solutions being tapped out right now by left, right, and centre. The left say make food, make subsidies of four hundred pound a month for rent, hundred pound for two hundred pound a month for food, hundred fifty pound a month for utilities, about fifty pound a month for the basic essentials and tech. So basically, no one ever has to go without food, medicine, housing, clothing, or uh, tech essentials. The right are saying, let's do a negative income tax for the poorest in society. Those below £15,000, give it a minus 80% rate. So if someone's on £15,000, they'll get £1,000 a month in a direct cash payment to them. And that will surely lift them out of poverty. And there are centre people are saying, yes, uh, increase welfare spending. Yes, cut taxes. But we need a central focus on jobs. Now, which of those, which of those directions do you think would be more effective? Centre, by far. Centre, one hundred percent. I think Ice James, but I'll get to you in a second, Michael. Don't worry. Oh, did you ask James? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, didn't hear. I think, I think, I think all all the people are doing is chucking out numbers and saying, "Oh, here's some numbers, here's some numbers, our oh, facts, figures, boom, boom, yes, this this solves everything." Oh, best. I feel. Put them in with information. You'll never know. <laughs> I feel like I feel I feel like what they need to do is yes. actually figure out what the actual issues are. What's yeah. causing all these children to be problems? I mean, there's a major issue is because of the increase in in single parent families. There's been a massive increase. I, I, I think I have a recent statistic that I saw, which this might not be correct, but I think it's nearly fifty percent of families have single parents. It's just a single parent family. Fifty percent. Yeah, exactly. That, that 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 might be right, but I just I just I had a quick glance. It might, it might be it might be a bit lower. Right, I'm not happy. You probably you're but, um, but but with but with that and then there's parents saying, Oh, I have three young children. I can't I can't drop them off at school, pick them up from school, and get to have a job at the same time. And a part-time job will just not be beneficial. I'll have more money for going to benefit than having a part-time job, if you see what I mean. So so I feel I feel I feel like what needs to happen is it is indeed the set is the centrist kind of view is give people, is tackle the issue of what's happening. So if 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 there is like a if there is like a wealth if there's a if we, if, if we increase like the welfare fund that, that we get and we get yes. we get more we get more people and we get more money like that we, we can give them the bare minimum so they can have food we can give them the bare minimum so they can have technology and the children and the students can search up stuff online have have a phone to search up like questions like like we all do when, when we don't know the answers to the homework so oh. we just search it up we take that for granted yeah we take that for granted. Um, on, uh, or, or, we, or we could do what the uh, rights are saying and say, oh, we'll give them a minus tax, give them a minus tax. But I mean, the issue is, is that that won't, the minus tax doesn't go to the children to spend. It goes to the parents. No, it goes to the family. The, it goes to the family. It, well, it, it goes to the family, it goes to the family, yeah, but the family isn't, the, the, the parents, the, the, par- the parents aren't always responsible, uh, aren't always responsible for the money. That, that might be, a, that, that's the major issue. Somebody walked in the house. Yeah. You see me doing hand gestures. Yeah, I thought you were talking to me. I thought you were no, talking no, to me. No, James. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's I not swearing at you through while being <laughs> muted. <laughs> I never ever talked to you, James. Uh, but no, the neg- something I like with the negative income tax is that if you provide people with a direct payment on the lowest earnings, I wouldn't argue this. I think subsidies are the best way to go. Give people a portion of the costs, the cost of food, medicine, housing. And then make it on way. That's what I personally do. But some would argue the negative income tax. If you give someone a thousand pounds a month, right? Uh, it's 250 pounds a week. 
That is uh, four times more than unemployment benefit. It's nearly two and a half times more than sick pay allowances. It's nearly double what it is with disability living allowances. So they'd say we're paying with these welfare claimants with much more money. Uh, I think, I think, I think what's an issue is with this is that, um, is that, I think, I feel like a good solution is is the main, the main with poverty. I feel like. I feel like poverty people are thinking on the streets and living, but it's not. It's in a, you can be in a nice house with heating and still be in poverty. You could, you can't yeah. poverty. I think, I, I think what needs to happen, the government needs to say, okay, what's, what's, what, what, what's a decent life that somebody can live on and feel comfortable, not go to school hungry, not come home from school hungry, and, and all of that. And you think, well, they need food, they need heating, they need a bed, they, they need, they need, and, and we can say they need technology. So, 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 you, so you, you see those four things. And then what could happen is that the government provides vouchers to these people. So like, I don't know, like a thousand pound food voucher a month. Well, that's probably way too much given a thousand pounds for food a month. Yeah. But, but, yeah, you, but you, you, it's you, the principle. Yeah, yeah exactly, the principle. So, so we'll say, we'll, 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 give, we'll give them this X amount of money for the food voucher. We'll give them this X amount of money for technology voucher to keep the Wi-Fi, to keep to keep, um, to keep their SIM cards and stuff from running on the phone. Do you, not, do, you think, do you not think the vouchers are a bit demeaning? If we give them a cash payment directly in the payment of benefits, instead of having to go to the Asda and say, you know, here is my voucher, will you accept my shopping bill? Because they know, here yeah. is my cash. Well, that, that, that's an issue, but I don't, I don't think that people, well, I mean, if, if you're the cashier, if you're the cashier of the thing, you're not going to go, you're not going to go, ha, 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 you're poor, are you? You're not going to do that. <laughs> Well, you're not going to do that. What, what's going? But I, I feel like my life I, sweeping boxes of daz around the, the counter. Let's make fun of some people. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, 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 can, I can, I can understand. What I mean, it, it, it could definitely be demeaning, but I mean, they don't. It doesn't have to be vouchers. It could be. It could be. Um, I think grants are much more effective. Grant, but I mean, the, the issue is there is parents. That there is that there are there are families that that won't spend the money. Yeah. The immoral yeah. yeah. there's a man use amount, and I'm not going to say we're going to make all the people suffer because of it. I'm saying we need to find which ones they are, and then we need to, and then, then we say, well, you have vouchers because of that. Michael, your party, the Republican Party, the United States, once advocated for testing my party. <laughs> I know, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I used I'm, to be, used to yeah. be for context. Used so to now, be. you're now a, a republic, independently Republican, independently Democrat on issues, depending on the issue. I don't know about independent leaning anymore because I'm not seeing many people. What, are you just basically a stick your fingers in my ears undecided? Well, I'm more of I'm more of like the people who have already... Who I liked were either Republican or Democrat. A lot of a lot of them seemed to be Republican, but that was why when Republicans okay. were a lot less conservative. Anyway, the Republican Party suggested in yeah. 12, 2012, that we should test welfare citizens for drugs. One of the- <laughs> I've oh, seen this question come up many times, and I signed with I was, I yes. Was, I looked behind this question. It was actually what I think it was Rand Paul's in twenty twelve. We should test oh, welfare for drugs. But do you think it goes to a broader problem here that it's no coincidence that single parent households are more likely to be in poverty than the nuclear households? It's no coincidence that families who've been in prison, where say dad goes to prison, that, that family's gonna go in poverty. It's no coincidence that teenagers get indulged in stupid acts, their families are in poverty. It's no coincidence that families that don't have parents working 
will be in poverty. Now, do you think that these four things link together, like crime and poverty link together, that a lot of our declining standards in life, primarily due to social media, primarily due to other things like uh, uh, self-gratification, a lack of government assistance, has caused poverty? It's not just cash. It's oh. all, a lot of reasons behind it. The cash is part of it. I argue the majority part of it, but it's not yeah. a complete part of it. I think the education is very important because remember, mm. education again linking to cash saves money. I know, depending on if you go to a public school or not, but definitely, but they pay for meals, right? But education is also very important for the child, for example, to become uh, sorry, to become educated with the name education so they can know their way around life they know you know finance depending on what topics they want to take they know um what's it they can they know how to read write they know how to speak well uh, and all that and speaking well doesn't mean slang and all that it doesn't mean that it just means that they can they know a wide range of words and all that and hopefully shouldn't struggle with them. But yeah, no, but if, if education can certainly be improved, then more children will have a, a definitely better chance of like even getting into jobs, for example, um, getting into universities, for example. I know a university is part of education, but I'm talking about like compulsory education. Uh, but, it, but it certainly gives a, a child to... A, a, good a really good future doing education and we will talk about education reform in the coming weeks don't worry about that with education there's three clear problems i think i think one is the class sizes of too many people and it's so you're being lectured to rather than being actually taught i think secondly we have teaching unions who believe that everyone should be treated the same everyone must have prizes there must be no punishment etc and thirdly, we've created demoralised teachers simply because we don't pay our teachers enough. And because we have one in three children in poverty, we have students who are not ready to learn. Now, do you think this is a, an effective assessment of education system that we face today? And that's one of the causes of poverty. James, I don't, don't, I, I, don't worry. I don't, think, I don't think the education system oh, on, has got anything to do with poverty. I think, I think, I think what should actually be happening is is that the education that, ed, that schools should be open for longer, allowing the parents to to get a full time job. I feel I feel like obviously people will say, well, the teachers aren't going to teach like a late club. school. Yeah, exactly. Like 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 oh, a late okay. club. Um, oh, and yeah, a breakfast is, club too, maybe. And, and a breakfast Actually, club. You know the Germans do. James, you know what the Germans do in Germany. They yeah. all schools start at eight and all schools finish at five. And between four mm-hmm. to five, a student has to pick one core interest he does. And he has to do that. So whether it's debating, whether it's rock climbing, whether it's swimming, whether it's writing, and that one hour they have to do something they find interesting so they can develop their own character whilst the parents yeah. are coming back from work. Well, well, I'm, I'm reading through my notes now and, I, and, I've, and I've just said, if, if it was like the school's open from seven to six, seven to six, that, 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 get, that gives the parents enough time to drop off their children mm. at school, uh, b- b- before school starts, I'll say at eight thirty. James, which of us was on seven to six? Come on. No, no. Wait. You, I mean, you were doing I mean, notes. Yeah, no, but I mean, I'm joking, James. Don't worry about it. I mean, I'm, I'm, six in terms of anyone can be there, but yeah, not, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying you have to do. It's not like classroom, 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 seven to six. I'm <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying like, I'm saying like. Cla- Classroom, like the normal school time, from like eight thirty till uh, three or something like that, like, like the normal school time. 
Or mm. I'm, I'm saying after that, after that, for, for, for when the parents are still at work, who, who lay, lay can then basically just, I don't know, maybe do an after school club, maybe like a, maybe like a rugby club, a cricket club or something like that. Or maybe, or maybe pick an interest like, I don't know, like a politics society or a debate society or something like that. Or, or, or in the morning, they can have like a homework club to, to catch up on homework that you've been doing. So all, all, all these things to make sure that, to make sure that parents can pick up yes. their child from school in a safe environment and don't have to judge their school, uh, don't, don't have to judge their job around what time they have to work. Because I feel, I feel most jobs, as you know, job, most jobs are nine to five. So yes. I mean, if, 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 if it takes you an hour to get to, if it takes you an hour to get to your, uh, to drive to your job, yeah, you have to drop your child at eight, which would be, which would be fine. And it takes an hour to get back from five, six, you can pick up your child at six. So, so there you go, it kind of all works out that way, you see what I mean? So then, so then single parent farmers aren't worrying about, oh no, I can't pick up my child I have to. I can't do. I can't do work today, and so I can't earn any money today at all because they can't make uh, them a job. The school, the school should be doing it, and, and I feel, and I feel like what the government should do for every school, private or state, should subsidise. I don't know a, a group of I don't know ten teachers or ten or ten like, not guardians, but you know ten, ten, ten people to um ten people to to stay in those hours at before and after school start, and say we'll help you. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll look after the children. And I think every school should have that. I don't know how many schools are in the country, but I mean, pay pay for, for 10, I don't know. But then, 1,250 secondary schools of that interest, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so then, uh, it's more more the primary schools that are the issue, because I feel, I feel like once you're above like, the age of 12, you can kind of look after yourself in your own, in your own home for an hour. But I mean, like, um, but, there's a, but there's a major issue with there being parents are running around trying to stop their... Uh, trying, trying to look after the children, which is right, which is a parental instinct, and the exact thing that they should be doing. Trying, trying to look after the children. I'm not saying the parents should just leave them, leave them. The school school, leave them. They can sit, they can sit in, the in the cold. But, but I feel like something should be set up to make sure that the schools can can keep the children, so that the parents can do their normal nine to five job or, or do that to work and not have to worry about picking up the child. We're going to try and get disability benefits put into the last couple of minutes. Then we can spend the last seven minutes talking about what the benefits of work off, while, how many people from welfare to work, and then we'll obviously uh, end this podcast, this first episode, this bright new episode with a very good end. But with disability right, benefits, I mean, you've got £89.20 disability benefit every week or month. I mean, week is. So how is that livable? Who, honestly, in this... In, in this world, could live on £89.20 a week. Uh, what, shall I go first? Yeah, go on, Michael, go for it. So live on £89.20, you say? Yeah. That's the highest uh, those benefits. A, a week, um, you can't. Oh. Uh, it's, it's, it's really stupid. Unless you're incredibly smart to know how to live on £89 a week. Fair play to you, but it's like no for the average person, definitely not, mm. definitely not. I, I I think there's a lot more that goes into, it. especially you got kids. Yeah. But if you're on your own, maybe I'm not saying it's a good thing. It, there shouldn't be a maybe when it comes to living on that. It should be can you or can you not? Um, Do you think what? Well, about welfare to work measures? Because I think welfare to work is the most important thing we can do as the people is get one is to get all the unemployed off benefits and into work. And if they can't work because they're permanently disabled or because they're caring for a relative or because they're caring for their children, then of course they won't be forced to work. We don't bully anyone into working. But do you think the issue is is that because we believed in free market economics for so long, the believers 
someone like Milton Friedman would say that the market would create jobs rather than government, that we've not had the opportunity to give people jobs. So because government for, for 29 out of the last 40 years, government has not played a central role in jobs, have they? They've not, they've not been giving people. 29 out of the last 42 years, government hasn't taken the leading role in jobs. They aren't creating them. It's the market. So why shouldn't we... For example, say through a windfall tax, and he tells the companies, tech companies and banks, to pay twelve billion pounds to get every single unemployed person off benefits into work through the Enterprise Zones Initiative, through the Job Corps program, which will basically say to people, "Here are our jobs we can offer you. Please take one that's relative to your skill, your age, your location, and we trade union rights at twenty-five grand a year." You know, this would be a better place. And abolishing things like zero-hours contracts, unpaid internships. This would be the better road to take in regards to the full employment economy, not bullying people into Amazon or ASOS factories, but saying, work with us, work with the union movement, work with enterprise, and we'll give people good pay jobs across the board. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, bullying people into work obviously will like make it more harder for them because it'll put more stress on them. Oh, we remember. do. We do remember. Uh, one of the bright ideas from David Cameron's government was to ensure all benefits are provided now by private sector companies. So private, some box ticking person has to go on the phone and say, yes, do you have multiple sclerosis? Sorry, I don't know what it is because I work for an insurance firm and I don't, I can't spell that word because I have an IQ of single digits. But they have no empathy. So therefore they cut benefits for the poor, cut benefits for the vulnerable. Yeah. And then, of course, these people then say, look at immigration. Isn't that the reason you got no benefits? And then they vote UKIP or they vote for Brexit Party or they vote Conservative. Even though it's it's creating so- that boogeyman again, isn't it? Precisely. Even if it's their ideology, which has caused the suffering and the distress, they then repeatedly vote for these people. Now, do you agree, James, that the solution is for the government to, of course, work with industry, of course, work with enterprise and unions to create real paying jobs for people who lose that? There should be a rule, in my view. That when someone loses their job, they should not be unemployed for more than a month. It is the leading yeah. role of government to say, you're unemployed, you've lost your job, very sorry about that, here's a job you can do that's full-time with good-paying union rights. Mm. A turnaround scheme, I've called it. Yeah. I think I think the government needs to work with industries and stuff like that. I know because businesses run our economy without them, we wouldn't. If, so, so we definitely need to work with them. There's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. There's no trying to, haha, we, we can tax you in your face. We, we have, we have to work with them. We absolutely. Have, I'm the tax rate. <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. so what we need to do with them is, is figure out. Well, you sacked this person. Why? Yeah. And then they go, and they go, oh, because of this. So, so, so they didn't have the right skill set. Oh. And, th- and then you go, you go, well, you want this skill set, don't you? You go. Yeah, yeah, we, we love that skill set. So there you go. You, you, you go to that. But I feel like all businesses should be in communication with each other. Obviously, there's quite a few businesses to be in communication with each other. But 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 but, 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 but they all should have like they should all have like a committee or something like that where, where they go. Please, they got the CBI. Oh, we 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 we've sacked fifty part. We've sacked fifty people. Uh, we've sacked okay. fifty people this year because they didn't have this skill set, and they went or, or because they had this skill set which wasn't needed and it was just a waste of time. And then they go well. We wanted that skill set. We'll take them off. Do you think about outsourcing might do the trick? That right now we have this nonsense system where if a business feels like it, they can go and export jobs to India or China. And we should say, no, no, no. You create jobs yeah. in Britain, they will remain in Britain for as long as your business is solvent. You can't yeah. go around selling jobs elsewhere around the world. 
Well, that's that that that's a major issue, isn't it? Because I mean, people. I mean, right now, if you look at if you look at all like the clothes companies, they will go to like the Bangladesh and India, where there's literal no workers' rights whatsoever. Yeah. And 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 they will say to them, and they'll say to them, "Hey, uh, do you mind making fifteen shoes a day for one for one pound?" They go, yeah, "Sure, exactly. it's it's our money," which wouldn't which wouldn't be dreamt of in this country. I mean, if somebody somebody offers them one pound for something, not only are they being sued, they wouldn't have a company after that. <laughs> Nobody off your pot. But, yeah, but because but because it's in a different country, people are like, that's really? not a thing. It's not happening. It's not happening because it's in a different country. People it's don't care. Britain's go to the WTO and say we must have a global minimum wage of about three dollars. For example, I I think that absolutely has to be global minimum wage because it's not it's it's, it's not it's not only like multi billion pound companies like Primark can't suddenly afford to pay a hundred workers nine pounds an hour. It's not like oh no, we can't afford that. We're, we're going to go bankrupt. It's it's because it's because of these it's because these companies think. Oh yeah, well we can save we can save I don't know how much maybe three hundred thousand pounds a year if we go if we go to Bangladesh. So do it. Do it. Three hundred thousand pounds a year, rather than thinking of, well, that automatically hinders the people in our country because they know they can get a job. It hinders the people in their country because they've been limited to one dollar a day. It's yeah. it's it's limited, it's limited our government, it's limited their government, and all and all it does, all it does is just in, increase tension. I mean, because I mean yeah, I, I feel like we spent now nearly an hour talking about poverty, and we haven't mentioned one of the biggest causes of poverty, inflation. Oh, well, we've got the biggest interest rates. We've got increased interest well, rates. Interest rates, but interest rates are half of one percent, so they're marginally low. I mean, we talk about yeah. mortgage reform in another day, but inflation is the biggest cause. You know, seven point two percent, the highest in nearly exactly. years. So, how do we deal with that, Michael? How do we deal with inflation? How do we get inflation at least half, say, within five months? One of my favorite old time policies that will probably never work again with inflation now. Gerald Ford, Wimp Inflation Now. Yeah. Back in uh, when inflation was at what, 11% back then? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford just basically told people, stop buying so much, you get this badge that says WIN, which stands for Whip Inflation Now. Inflation halved because of that, because people stopped buying so much. I think people should be encouraged to buy less. You, you buy, don't buy what you don't need for now. Yes. You don't like, you know, stock up, you know, like, um, it's not like the toilet roll issue that happened during the pandemic, but like, you know, just don't buy so much stuff James, you don't actually need. We're um, pressed for time. James, what do you think about inflation? I think. I think um, there's plenty of economists out there. I think there's plenty of economists out there who know how to solve, uh, who know what's the best possible uh, thing to stop inflation, to slow down inflation, or decrease it. Is the answer that we borrow so much, therefore, because we've not run a surplus on our expenditure, we therefore have to print money. And if we didn't, if we run a surplus, we're not relying on the nation if we want to print money. I feel. I feel, I feel like yes. I mean, if you have a surplus, you're less likely to be have inflation because yes. there's nothing. There's there's no need to. There's no pressure to pay back anything. But I feel I feel I feel, I feel like what needs to happen is the government needs to encourage saving, needs to encourage saving and discourage spending in especially in high inflation times and keep everybody and keep everything basically to to the optimum level. Well, that's a, that's been a very fruitful. 60 minute discussion. We've had a good chat about the welfare state. Next week, we will be talking about the United States of America, about President Biden's legislation to rebuild the American society after 50 years of practical destruction. It's built up as an agenda. We'll be having a discussion of that. Uh, next Sunday, 
uh, next Saturday, we'll be recording it next Saturday and hopefully bring it out next Sunday or Saturday evening. But for now, it's goodbye from us. Goodbye. It's 10 o'clock. Shit, can we keep going? Nah, we'll call it off. All right. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Take care, lads. Very good. Take care, good listeners. Bye. Have you just say good day.